Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What is up? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, September 8th. Frank Sample joined by the returning Scotty Dubs. Scott White here to recap the past couple of days in Fantasy Baseball. Got some players. Do these guys actually matter? Some prospects being called up. I want to ask Scott about... The Dropometer, we're going to fire that up as well. Thanks again to Justin Mason for joining us on Sunday night on Monday morning's podcast. Once again, do appreciate that. Scott, long weekend for you, boy. How you doing, man? How was it? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Beach weekend with the family. Spent the weekend on Sanibel Island off the, uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida. So, you know, if you wonder where... People who live in Florida go on vacation. The answer is other parts of Florida. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, yeah, did uh, did some, uh, you know, floating in the ocean, did a little paddle boarding, did a little uh, kayaking. Are you a big beach guy? No, I wouldn't say I'm a big beach guy. No, I would definitely, you know, you know how some people are about the beach. That's definitely not me. But... I can have a good time at the beach. I did. I would do it again. All right. Nice. A little bit more positivity from Scott than I'm used to. I honestly was not expecting you to enjoy the beach. So uh, happy to hear that. <laughs> Vacationing in other parts of Florida. But That's we, right. we are here to catch people up on fantasy baseball. So let's do that. Oh, my goodness gracious. From Tuesday, Monday, the past couple of days. I don't know. Let's figure it out. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Where are we starting? We're starting with Alejandro Kirk. Mm. Mr. Kirk. I kind of want to call him Captain Kirk, but I don't know if that's... uh, Alejandro Kirk hit two home runs here on Tuesday evening. His... uh, Wait a second. What were they? His sixth and seventh home runs of the season. Yeah, I have that right. Sixth and seventh home runs of the season. And uh, he got the start at DH... But he's been playing a lot of catcher recently. It was his second third hit game in a row. He hit a home run in the other one as well as hitting a double. His batting average is up to 290 on the year. And entering Wednesday, Alejandro Kirk had an 11.7% strikeout rate on the year. Uh, This is a strikeout rate that compares to players like you know some of the some of the best contact hitters in the game. Uh, let me see if I can pull up an ex- a couple examples real quick. Eleven point seven. So Adam Frazier's eleven point five strikeout rate. Tommy Edmond twelve point nine. Michael Brantley ten point five. So you know 
Alejandro Kirk right in that mix. If he was a qualifier, he'd have the sixth best strikeout rate among hitters. And yet, you know, here he is hitting for power and, you know, quite a bit of power. Um, those seven home runs have come in 124 at-bats. He's hitting the ball hard like a power hitter. I think his average exit velocity is like 92 miles per hour, high, high hard hit rate as well. And it's, you know, it's it's somebody whose bat we were pretty excited about in spring training, even when he got called up last year, got, you know, a brief look in the majors, spent some time injured this year. The Blue Jays have a lot of catcher depth, so the playing time hadn't been consistent until recently. But it looks like he's performing up to it now. It looks like he's getting the playing time and he's performing up to to uh, what we hope to see from him. It's a, it's a pretty strong offensive profile at a position where obviously we're always longing for that. So I think it's time. I think it's time to make a move for Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> yeah, he's crushing the ball this year. You're absolutely right about that. I pulled up his StatCast page. Pretty damn impressive. His expected numbers, 296 XBA, 527 X slug. Pretty impressive for uh, Alejandro Kirk. One of those home runs on Tuesday came off of Garrett Cole, too. We'll talk about Cole in a little bit. He clearly wasn't himself. He was dealing with a hamstring injury, but still impressive, nonetheless, to hit a home run off of uh, Garrett Cole there for Alejandro Kirk. Scott, we're getting to that point in the year where, you know, if we play in a head-to-head points league or we play in any type of shallower format and it's one-catcher league, I think you kind of just ride the hot hand unless you have one of the top, I don't know, three, four, five catchers. So would you be mm-hmm. okay dropping I'm looking over the last 28 days let me look let me find some catchers who are really really scuffling here like Gary Sanchez hit two home runs recently but 2.4 fantasy points per game over his last 28 days is that a move that you would make do you would you prefer Kirk over Gary Sanchez I mean that's that's not a horrible point per game average for a catcher yeah I think I think I'd stop short of dropping him for Kirk but it's close how about Christian Vasquez, who's still rostered in eighty-one percent of leagues? I have no idea why he's rostered in that many <laughs> leagues. Still, just the lack of options at catcher, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know. We've been hyping plenty of others that you probably should have dropped Vasquez for a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a ton of names that are still just rostered in, in a ton of leagues. Uh, Omar Narvaez, ninety-one percent. Make that swap. He's, he's okay, but um, yeah, I could I could see going with the hot hand and Kirk. Yadier, Yadier Molina, 80% rostered. Yeah, forget him out of there. Uh, Sean Murphy, 75%. Yeah, he's he's losing too many at-bats now with Jan Gomes in the mix. Last one here, Carson Kelly, 60%. Yep, I'll take Kirk. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely interested there, and it's cheap exposure to one of the best lineups in baseball in Toronto. So every time I hear his name, I just want to hear the Lady, uh, the Lady Gaga song. Alejandro, Alejandro. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. For me, oh, my goodness gracious, I'm going to talk about Jake Odorizzi, one of Scott's favorite starting pitchers. He didn't have a great performance. It was okay. It was, you know, it really wasn't eye-popping. What made me say, oh, my goodness gracious, were his his projected matchups for next week. I'll get to that in just a second. Five innings, two runs, three strikeouts against the Mariners for Odorizzi in this one. Two earned runs or less in four straight starts for Big Jake here. Uh, Three of those starts came against the Mariners, one against the Texas Rangers. So clearly he can beat up on bad competition. Next week, if this works out, because, I mean, you know, things change and and rotations get get shuffled. So we'll check back in on this on Friday when when you talk about two-star pitcher, Scott. But 68% rostered versus the Diamondbacks at the Rangers next week for Jake Odorizzi. So Mm. if that stands, 
And, you know, obviously we're playing for a lot right now. It's head-to-head playoffs are going on. Yeah. I, I love those matchups. So, Oh, yeah. You, do I, you, love, know, you should love those matchups. Those are great matchups. As, as good as Odorizzi's been in his past four starts, not a single one of them have gone even six innings. So that's, yep. I guess that's the, the water you can pour, the cold water you can pour on that. But, um, but you're right. I mean, the difficulty with waiver wire recommendations this time of year is that, you know, usually a lot of speculation goes into those. You're, 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 you're identifying ability and then you're claiming it with the hope that that ability pays off at some point down the line. Well, down the line is off the table now. So you need pickups who can impact you right now. And I think with the, that two-star week, Odorizzi, even though I don't think he has a lot of ability and I wouldn't want to put much faith in him long-term, I think that makes sense. If, if he does end up making lining up for two starts, we'll see how the rest of the week plays out. Yeah, we'll talk about it again on Friday when we take a look at some two-star pitchers there. But as of now, it looks like Jake Odorizzi, two fantastic matchups for next week. We don't trust the ability of Odorizzi, but we do trust the ability of these three starting pitchers. League-winning pitchers who we've talked a ton about recently, just keep on keeping on what they did on Tuesday. Just want to quickly hit these guys up at the top. Max Freed up against the Nationals, six innings, one run, Four walks to five strikeouts. He didn't have his best stuff here, but that's eight straight quality starts for Max Freed. A 1.76 ERA during that span. Blake Snell, 13 and two-thirds hitless innings in a row over his last start, uh, last two starts before giving up a two-run single to Joe Adele in the seventh inning of Tuesday's start. He finishes that start. Seven innings, one run. Uh, seven innings, one hit, two runs, 11 strikeouts for Blake Snell. He's got a 1.88 ERA 65 strikeouts over 43 and two-thirds over his last uh, seven starts for Blake Snell. And then Logan Webb survives Coors Field at the Rockies. Seven innings, nine hits, three runs, zero walks, six strikeouts. So ultimately, a pretty good start here. Nine straight quality starts for Logan Webb. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Freed, Snell, Webb? We talk about these guys quite a bit. I mean, Blake Snell was perfect through... I don't know that he was quite perfect through six. He had a no-hitter still going. He He was perfect through six. Yeah, Perfect through six. And then he walked a guy in the seventh. uh, And then he gave up hits, obviously. Or a hit. But yeah, I mean, it just... It it continues for Blake's now, right? I mean, we we were writing this guy off a month ago because he hadn't been able to put anything together this year or last, or really the year before. And then all of a sudden, he's uh, figured it out. He's figured it out, and he looks like a must-start the rest of the way. Now, it is worth mentioning that this lineup he was facing, the Angels lineup, was... Very bad. And no Otani in, in the National League Park. Right, no Otani. The, uh, the top slugging percentage in the Angels lineup was 402. Oui. By a guy named Jack Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really bad lineup. Yes, but, it is. But one of what's been four seven-inning starts in his past six, uh, one of them was against the Dodgers. He struck out 10, allowed one run on three hits. So obviously, you know. The other two were against the Diamondbacks. So, you know, he's not exactly... Other than that Dodgers start, which is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, Snell hasn't been facing... 
murderers rose here, but over the last three years, this isn't the only time he's faced a bunch of bad lineups and he wasn't doing things like this. So let's, let's not, you know, let's not nitpick too much. Yeah. Come on. Don't poo poo my man, Blake Snell, not my man. I mean, we, we basically wrote him off as you mentioned, Scott, but uh, you, you talked about, the seven inning performances that he's put up recently, he has thrown over a hundred pitches in six of his last seven starts. So, I mean, San Diego, they, they simplified his pitch mix, pitch mix, or he simplified it. A lot of fastballs, a lot of sliders mixing in the curveball there, but whatever he's doing, he's pitching a lot more efficiently and they've basically just loosened the reins and they're letting him go. So uh, again, Blake's now look, looking like a must start pitcher and potentially a league winning starting pitcher here down the stretch. Before we hit the news and notes, the NFL has finally returned and the pick six podcast is your top audio destination for comprehensive coverage of the 2021 season. Joint host Will Brinson and company for extensive game previews and all the picks you need. Plus recaps immediately after Monday, Thursday and Sunday night football games. That and much more coming this fall on the Pick 6 podcast feed. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. News and notes, Garrett Cole left Tuesday's start with hamstring tightness. Per John Heyman, the early word is that the Yankees played it safe to get Cole out before the hamstring worsened, and the hope and even belief is that it's not too severe. So... I don't know. As of now, we don't know if he's going to make his next start, if he's going to be skipped in the rotation, if it's going to cause an IL stint, whatever it's going to be. But I saw that his fastball velocity on his final pitch was way, way down. So immediately my mind went, oh, God, please, please, please be OK. Nothing with the arm. But it uh, turns out to be a hamstring injury here for Garrett Cole. The Mets from one ace to another, revealed that Jacob deGrom had been dealing with a partial tear of his right UCL. General Manager Sandy Alderson expressed more optimism on Tuesday, noting that the issue the issue resolved itself and the ligament is still intact. I'm not a yeah. doctor, Scott, neither are you. No. I don't think it really works that way. <laughs> I mean, that's the impression I was under, too. Yeah, I mean, some of the... Some of the Quotes from Sandy Alderson are, are just uh, whatever condition existed before it's resolved itself. Um, and okay, so this is one. This is one I, I pulled off here and tweeted out because there's like a whole article from uh, I think I got this from Newsday. Um, look. Somebody goes out with a headline that it's a partial tear. That's what a bruise is. A bruise is a partial tear of the muscle, okay? So let's not go out there and write as if this is anything new. It's not. It's a very low-grade thing that has resolved itself. Uh, you know, okay, um, this is a ligament, not a muscle, first of all. <laughs> um I, I don't know. I mean, I mean he, was, he was saying it's the lowest form of sprain there is, and MRIs since then has shown that it's gone. So, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, the fear with Jacob deGrom is that they goof off all offseason with this. They come back next spring. Oh, you know what? He does need Tommy John surgery after all. And then we're not seeing Jacob deGrom until the, again until the second half of 2023 when he's 35 years old by the way. And um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody was asking me who I'd keep today, Jacob deGrom or Bryce Harper. 
uh, I didn't answer him because he doesn't have to decide today. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I'd probably keep Harper. I'm, I'm concerned enough about it that I, I think I'd say Harper. You know, I, I mean, I guess it's possible people sprain their ankles, you know, and it, that's the ligament, right? That you're spraining. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough clearly, but my, my, assumption was that once you got a little tear in that elbow ligament, it doesn't go away and you can just kind of, it can be not so bad enough to require surgery, but that it doesn't just heal. But I, I am not a doctor. Yeah. I mean, look, technically a, a sprain of a ligament, we've heard this before is a form of a tear, right? It, it, I mean, the extent of that, I guess nobody knows, but based on this, it sounds like they're not overly concerned though. I mean, it, it's hard not to be. Jacob DeGrom is throwing well, 101, 102 miles per hour. He's throwing 93, 94 mile per hour sliders. I mean, he's doing something that we've never seen before. And I, I'm sure it, he, like, he's going max effort on every pitch, or at least it seems like he is. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it would make I sense. Mean, they, they're going so far. And that quote, that quote I read from Sandy Alderson was what made it amazing wasn't even so much the bruise comparison, because, okay, whatever, maybe. But he's saying that the reason they hadn't revealed this is because they didn't want it to be reported because they knew the reports would exaggerate what they believe the damage is just by that combination of, you know, sprain and UCL, you know? Yeah. So like, okay, we're going to tell you now, but we don't want you to make a big deal of it because it's not actually a big deal. I don't know. It's just, it's really bizarre. Yeah. I, look, I don't, it sounds I, like I don't were... feel good. I don't feel good right now as somebody, if I'm invested in DeGrom at a dynasty league, I don't feel good at all. With no, this you shouldn't. And, and I mean, look, it sounds like they were just scared of, of the New York media, like blowing this out of proportion, but I mean, it, what's done is done. So, I mean, we'll see what happens uh, as a result of this, but yeah, I mean, as much as I, I, I lean into early starting pitchers this year and, and elite starting pitchers and kind of paying up, it's too early to say, but my my early diagnosis of the situation is that uh, I'm going to take a step back next year, a big step back, because, I mean, there's a lot of pitchers early that, that have kind of dealt with injuries in the past, and, and I don't know, it's just kind of scaring me off, stuff like this. And, and DeGrom, he's not the only one. It's you, Darvish, this whole sticky situation. We'll see what happens in the offseason, but... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, there are a few factors at work there for why it makes sense to to dial that back some. I, you know, obviously, I have I haven't gotten into the nitty gritty with it either. Yeah, hit it. Part part of the calculus there was that hitting was so plentiful, you could get you could get it everywhere. <laughs> it was just like the the player pool was overgrown with great hitting and that that's proven not to be true anymore so you know how much is the is the riskier proposition of pitching how valuable is it by comparison you know i i think we need to dive back into that yes we're, uh, we got to find those mid-round gems, Scott, those late-round gems, and, and trust the process, I think, for next year. That, that's something that I'm I'm really kind of figuring out now, but we have all offseason to talk about that. Let's move on. Hyunjin Ryu apparently left Monday's start with left forearm tightness, another one here. After six scoreless innings against the Yankees, there's no word yet on whether he'll make his second start later this week against the Baltimore Orioles, but obviously forearm tightness is something that we have to uh, monitor with uh, Hyunjin Ryu. 
We had a bunch of White Sox news. Lucas Giolito, uh, Giolito threw Tuesday at max effort and felt no issues with his hamstring. He'll have two bullpens to throw before he is back in the rotation. Lance Lynn threw a bullpen on Tuesday, and he will throw another one on Friday. He might be able to return after that one, so perhaps next week we see Lance Lynn. There is hope that Carlos Rodon can pitch this weekend against the Red Sox. He was skipped in the rotation earlier this week due to fatigue and uh, general soreness is, is what they listed it as. There's currently no timetable for Tim Anderson, who is on the IL with a hamstring injury. Clayton Kershaw made a rehab start at AAA on Tuesday. Three innings, two runs, zero walks, two, three strikeouts. So, I mean, they seem pretty optimistic, everything that we've heard about Kershaw, which... Another one, he's dealing with an arm injury, but uh, maybe he could finish out strong here and help us this season. Don't know what that'll look like yet for next season with Clayton Kershaw. This was a surprise to me. Fernando Tatis said on Tuesday that he does not anticipate undergoing shoulder surgery after the season where we've heard the contrary all along from beat writers. I mean, it it even sounded like the team was almost on board. Not that they've come out and said anything, but it kind of seemed like we were all in agreement here. And I thought this was a pretty big surprise, Scott. Yeah, it caught me by surprise too. He Tatis did acknowledge that he still needs to talk to team doctors, the front office, and make a final determination. So I don't know if he was just kind of speaking off the cuff here, but I, I thought it was a foregone conclusion too. Let's run through the rest of these. Angels manager Joe Madden had no update Tuesday on when or if Mike Trout will be able to return this season. I doubt it. George Springer was out of the lineup after fouling a ball off of his knee on Monday. Trey Mancini was out of the lineup due to oblique soreness. Tony Gonsolin could be activated Thursday or Friday. He's 45% rostered. And Scott, I know Gonsolin's someone that you really liked early in the season. He came back. The ERA was good, but struggled with control. The whip was very high. Wasn't going deep into starts. Would you be looking to re-add Gonsolin anywhere? I'm not going to say no, but th- that kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier, where I think Tony Gonsolin has a lot of ability. And if this was July or earlier, then of course, of course. I mean, you may not be able to use him right away. He may still need to stretch out. But... um it's September, and there are three lineup locks left, assuming your league plays out the full season right up through the very last week. There are just three lineup locks left, and as much trouble as we saw, you know, as long as he, it seemed to be taking him to stretch out when he came back from the IL the first time, you know, I'm, I'm not confident he's going to give you any, even five inning starts, much less six. So I would call, he'd be far from a must-add for me, even though, you know, I think he's good. I think he has the potential to be good. Uh, Tyler Clippard went on the COVID IL with COVID-like symptoms. They haven't said if he actually tested positive, so they could just be playing it safe here. So we will see what happens there. If he misses any extended time, I believe it was Noe Ramirez who recently picked up a save when Tyler Clippard wasn't available. So in the deepest of category leagues, even with Spencer Howard and Dane Dunning back with the Rangers, Glenn Otto is expected to start Friday against the Angels. Do I have enough time to uh, pull this up here? Let's see what I got. Uh, 1-800-GLEN-OTTO. Come on. <laughs> Pick up the phone. The call is free. People really like that jingle, by the way, Scott. So good job by you. Nick Pavetta has tested positive for COVID and went to the IL. The Red Sox really dealing with uh, with a COVID outbreak here in their in their team, um, on their team. And, and I know that Xander Bogarts is working his way back. A few others, Matt Barnes on the COVID IL. So uh, yeah, 
Another one there with uh, Nick Pavetta. Kwang Hyun Kim will move back to the bullpen, and Jake Woodford is expected to start on Thursday. Kabert Ruiz has sat out three straight games with a knee injury, though he did pinch hit on Tuesday. Kyle Lewis has been uh, has a bone bruise in his right knee and is being shut down for the rest of the 2021 season. The year of the setback continues. John Gray is set to return Wednesday against the Giants. I would not want to start John Gray in any of my daily leagues. So uh, the Giants are swinging a hot bat in Coors Field right now. Uh, I would not want to do that. Connor Joe recently received a PRP injection. He landed on the IL over the weekend with a mild hamstring strain, which causes us pain, Scott, because we were very excited about Connor Joe. Yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt. Something that does not hurt, especially your Braves. Charlie Morton agreed to a one-year contract extension, and that means that we'll have him for at least one more year in fantasy. And he's been really good. So I, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I mean, probably a top twenty, top twenty-five starting pitcher heading into next year. He's he's pitched really well with uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Some prospects, Scott. I wanted to ask you about Luis Heel will make his return to the Yankees and start on Wednesday. And I don't know if this means Nestor Cortez will be moving back to the bullpen, but looking at the roster resource page. They slotted Luis Heel into Nestor Cortez's rotation spot. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that's I, the plan as of now. I, I didn't actually see anything on that, but Luis Heel well, is 39% rostered and pitched really well in the majors and has pitched well in the minors recently, also. Yeah, it was Cortez's turn. So, I understand why Roster Resource did that. But, you know, Roster Resource doesn't have any insights. Really, yeah, they're they're just reacting to news the same way we are, and there's no indication that Cortez has lost this his job in the starting rotation. There's no reason for him to. It's not like Luis Heel is could possibly be more reliable than Cortez was. So my suspicion is that either they're just giving Heel one turn to give everybody a day of rest, or that they're planning to go six man for a while. Maybe it kind of depends on how Heel performs, but I wouldn't be so quick to drop. Cortez because of this news. Well, would you be looking to add Luis Heel? I, I guess it also kind of depends on, on the extent of this Garrett Cole hamstring injury because if he has to go on the IL, then you know that means Heel is probably staying and so is Nestor Cortez. Yeah. Uh, not super motivated to add Heel yet. Uh, kind of, you know, it would make a difference if he performs well on Wednesday and doesn't get sent down right away. Uh, then I'll be more interested. You know, if if you have a roster spot to play with, it doesn't have it doesn't hurt to add him. And in, in case that comes to be, I mean, his the little bit we've seen of him in the majors so far has gone pretty well. A few other call ups I wanted to ask you about: Mike Bowman with the Baltimore Orioles, someone I believe Nando is in on. <laughs> I think he's on his team in your Scott White Dynasty League. And then Josh Lambert, I think that's his first name, Josh Lambert. With the White Sox, he was called up and he was at the Oakland A's on when, uh, Tuesday. Five innings, one run, two strikeouts. Anything to see here with Mike Bowman or Josh Lambert? I really hope that's his name. Jimmy Lambert. Jimmy Lambert, Josh. Ah, it's pretty close, right? It starts with a Jimmy. Jimmy, good old Jimmy boy. Uh, yes. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not nobody prospects, but they're not particularly high-end either. Mike Bowman had... Uh, particularly good numbers in 2019. He had 10.3K per nine between high class A and double A. His numbers this year between three levels, you know, barely a strikeout per inning, 344 ERA, 115 whip. 
pretty good fastball, pretty good slider. I don't know. I, I I don't. I I can see it going either way for him. It's it's not like he's. It's not like he has any, anything really like eye popping in his arsenal. But at the same time, good enough that he's worth monitoring. I I have less hope for Jimmy Lambert. Really, his strikeout rate at least this year was pretty good in the minors, but doesn't have quite the same pedigree as Mike Bauman. So, yeah, let's say his start against the Athletics on Tuesday was pretty good, but two strikeouts at five innings. I believe he had just three, four swinging strikes on 70 pitches. So, I I don't know. Nothing that's really making me jump out of my seat for Lambert either. Yeah, and if Lance Lynn or or Lucas Gilito or both of them return, then then we probably don't have a spot for Lambert in the rotation. But a few prospects there. Let's monitor them. Again, Luis Heal, the the highest profile of of the names here. Uh, So let's see what he does on Wednesday. Let's take a quick break. When we return, do these pitchers matter? Talk about it. Fantasy Baseball Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's start with Eric Lauer, who was up against the Phillies on Tuesday. Seven shutout innings with five strikeouts to just one walk. That's back-to-back seven-inning starts against the Giants and the Phillies. So, I mean, two pretty good offenses there. Uh, Eric Lauer is 24% rostered. And a lot of what we're going to do now is looking at next week. What do the matchups say? And as of now, it looks like Lauer is at the Detroit Tigers, which is pretty good. Does Eric Lauer matter, Scott? Because of the matchup, because of the time of year, I guess he does. Now, prior to these back-to-back seven-inning starts, Lauer had gone five innings for less or less in, in six starts. So this is a very new thing, him going deep enough that we even care about him. He does have a 318 ERA in, on the year, almost a strikeout per inning, but also a 430 xFIP. So I don't really... If we're, if we're just grading Lauer on ability, I don't think there's enough there. But if you need a hot hand this time of year with a good matchup, then I guess he matters. How about AJ Alexia? I probably could have included him in our previous segment talking about a few prospect pitchers being called up, but yes, he made a start on Monday against the Angels. Uh-huh. Six shutout, only gave up one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts. He had 11 swinging strikes on 85 pitches, and he was having a great season in the minors between double A AA and triple A, a 166 ERA, 102 whip. 76 strikeouts over 65 innings pitch. He's 13% rostered. Early look at next week, I think he's at home against the Astros, so you don't love that, but you do like the start. No, you don't love that matchup. I agree. That stinks. Because I do like, 
I do like Alexi. This is one I'm pretty excited about, actually. You mentioned the, the great numbers he had in the minors this year. Between two major league starts now, combined 11 innings, he's allowed just two hits. He has, in, in this most recent start, fastball, uh, th- three different pitches. Fastball, slider, I believe, and changeup. He threw at least 19% of the time. So to come in and have three pitches that he features that prominently is is pretty good. Pretty good. Speaks well to his state, the stage of development he's in. And the swinging strike rate has been decent since arriving in the majors as well. The walks have been high, five and 11 innings, and the walks were an issue in the minors as well. So, you know, that's something to, to, to monitor. Also, he's, he's a bit more of a fly ball pitcher than a ground ball pitcher, which is dangerous, but... AL West is the division to do that in. So I can see things continuing to play out nicely for AJ Alexi, but I agree. I don't know that against the Astros is is really the time to test it. That said, if he does have a good start against the Astros, you know, you really have something here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have so many pitchers coming in and out of the rotation right now for Texas that I don't know that they'll ever have the ability to have a two-star pitcher. I mean, rest of season. So <clears throat> that obviously limits his his upside for, for AJ Alexi. But uh, yeah, very good start on Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's see what happens there uh, moving forward. Packy Naughton, who is that guy? He was at the Padres on Tuesday. Five shutout with five strikeouts. He had 10 swinging strikes on 72 pitches. First start completing five innings. Uh, does Packy Naughton matter, Scott? Not on my team. Is where I would put Packy Naughton. Um, no, I mean, 490 ERA in the minors this year. Really, no part of his stat line is good. And I just, the stuff doesn't look particularly impressive. I, I think he's just a guy. All right, last one here. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, he was at the Red Sox on Monday. Five innings, one run, and two strikeouts. Over his last five starts, he has a 165 ERA. Does not give you many strikeouts, but the ratios have looked pretty good during that five-star stretch. Doesn't go more than five innings, but I mean, it's probably more for like deeper roto category leagues. He's he's just providing ratios. Uh, does Drew Rasmussen matter? You know, I, I spent a little bit of time trying to figure this out because one earned runner fewer in all five of his starts since joining the Rays rotation. Uh, he he came over with JP Fire Ice in, in the. Uh, in the Willie Adamas trade with the Brewers. Good ground ball rate, but not like an amazing Ranger Suarez ground ball rate that would allow me to overlook the the low swinging strike rate and not so great strikeout rate either. So I'm not really buying Drew Rasmussen, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really buying it. I get that there's been a string of success here, and he pitches for the Rays, but that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Pitching for the Rays, because you never know when they're going to yank you around either. Yep, definitely fair there. Uh, do these hitter hitters matter? Let's start with Austin Hayes, who went one for three with his 16th home run of the season on Tuesday, and over his last 15 games, he's betting 358 with three home runs. He's 32% rostered. Scott, does Austin Hayes matter? Are you interested in adding him? So his playing time has been less than every day. And I know his splits favor lefties. And uh, let's see. 
Were they facing a lefty here on Wednesday? They were not. They were going up against Jackson Kawar, and Hayes' home run came off of Jackson Kawar, so... So I think there were five lefties scheduled for the Orioles this week, and I thought about including Hayes among my sleeper hitters, but I did not. Uh, The playing time's been more consistent lately. Yeah, he started in nine straight games. But I don't know. I I don't really think he matters because even though you could make the case, okay, his splits are better against lefties, so he's a good matchups guy. They're still not that good against lefties. So, yeah, I, I just don't think the production is quite enough, even if, apart from having 16 homers, I mean, he's batting, t- he has a 299 on base percentage, you know? Yeah, doesn't walk very much. He's right around a 250 batting average for the season. He's been better the past month or so for uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. So I, I think probably in five outfielder leagues, maybe he matters there if you're desperate. But uh, yeah, anything shallower than that, probably not the case for Austin Hayes. How about Lorenzo Cain? Two more hits on Tuesday. 31 games since coming off the IL. He's batting 281, four homers, seven steals. Problem, similar to Austin Hayes before this recent stretch, is that Kane sits out every third yeah. or fourth game usually. He's only 20% rostered. There's only five games on the schedule next week. So those things are playing against him. But right. when he's been on the field, he's he's been productive. Yeah, I. it's just too much missed time. Yeah. You know, Hayes has been playing a lot more consistently recently, but... Kane has started six of ten for the Brewers. And that's it's just really hard to make an impact when you're doing that, especially if you're not like this monstrous power hitter or uh, really prolific base dealer. You're just kind of a, you know, you're, you're, you're just somebody who's kind of pretty good at a few things. I, I just, 15-team leagues probably is all you're talking about for Kane. Bobby Dahlbeck, pinch hit in the eighth inning on Tuesday. They were The Red Sox were down 12-1, to 1, so they get some of their stars out of the game. He pinch hits for Rafael Devers. Hits two home runs in two innings, Bobby Dahlbeck does. And he's now started eight of the last 10 games for them. Over his last 30 games overall, 341 batting average, nine homers for Bobby Dahlbeck. He is red hot, 40% rostered. What do you think here, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's finally hot when they're not making an effort to play him with a great amount of consistency. So eight of his eight of the last ten games he started. I mean, that's that's better than it has been, basically. Yeah, but Schwarber got another start at first base. This was his third start since coming over to the Red Sox, and you feel like those are going to have to happen more often. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess if you're just looking for home runs, you could do worse than Dahlbeck. But I don't know. It's been it's been a little inconsistent the playing time. It looks like for next week, three games against the Orioles, three games against the Mariners. Not really scared of either pitching staff. I don't. I don't know what it looks like in terms of how many lefties they're they're scheduled to face for next week, but. Uh, just in terms of pitching staffs and pretty good matchups there for for Bobby Dahlbeck. I, I did want to bring up Ian Happ once again because I mean, we've talked about him quite a bit recently, but I feel like his roster rate is still lagging behind. He went three for four again on Tuesday, added another home run. He's now up to 20. And over his last 30 games, Ian Happ is batting 321, nine homers, two steals. His last 15 games, he's batting 400. So, I mean, the guy is hot right now. 
band of misfits with the Chicago Cubs, Frank Schwindel, Rafael Ortega, Patrick Wisdom. These guys are all performing pretty well. Uh, does Ian Happ need to be rostered in more leagues, Scott? Is he a must-add, Ian Happ? I wouldn't go quite so far as to say must-add, like three outfielder leagues, certainly not points leagues with as much as he strikes out. 52% rostered is where he's at right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's low for as hot as he is. He is still striking out way too much. Yeah. And, you know, his BABIP is through the roof during this stretch. But we know he could put... We know he could send balls out of the park, and he hadn't done so enough this year until this this recent stretch of having hit nine home runs in 23 games. So definitely falls into the category of the hot hand play, and there's no shame in rolling with that this time of year. So I, I would say that he is, is being a bit undervalued because of that. But again, if we're talking long-term, I'd be less enthusiastic about him. Scott, what would Ian have compare against these outfielders in shallower leagues? Because... Tyler O'Neill, he's 74% roster, but he's coming back around. His last seven games, 11 hits, two homers, one steal. Anthony Santander, his last 30 games. We, we talk about Santander quite a bit. He's, he's been performing well. 277 batting average, eight home runs. He's 59% rostered. How would you rank Santander, O'Neill, and Ian Happ? So Santander, if you go to the last 30 games, the numbers are still pretty good, but he's cooled off the last couple weeks he's gone ice cold again the thing about a no walk guy like Santander is when they're not hitting well they're doing nothing for you Mm -hmm. so he's third for me here O'Neal's first O'Neal's first half second Santander third O'Neal still has you know strikes out way too much but just incredible um stat cast data otherwise how hard he hits the ball you know, his expected slug is 566. It's almost 50 points higher than his actual slug. And, and you know, for as much as he strikes out, his expected batting average is, is right in line with actual marks. So he's, he's pretty much doing what he's supposed to be doing from what we can tell. All right, let's uh, fire up the drop-o-meter here on a Wednesday. I mean, we're, we're getting to the point of the season again where you can pretty much drop anybody uh, unless they have a good matchup. But uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, he, did, he does what he does. He, he reels me in, he reels me in, and then he just drops one of these right on my head. A good old stinker. Up against Tampa, gives up six runs over three and two-thirds innings. He is 88% rostered still. What is the drop-o-meter on Eduardo Rodriguez? I mean, I, I don't... I don't like throwing around tens, but this time of year, I, I feel like I can throw around a lot of tens because I just, I don't feel like you could trust him. And it, it's been a year-long frustration because his XFIP, even after this start, is 347. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I want to say that would be top 10 among qualifiers. This is a pretty good XFIP. Um, but there's just been, I, I feel like, I feel like there's something we're missing here some some yet to be discovered analytical tool that could help explain what's happening to Eduardo Rodriguez this year because the performance just hasn't come anywhere close to that three of his previous four starts prior to this one were quality starts but this one was so bad it just it just negates all the good yeah. you know and the thing is I would imagine many people had 
Eduardo Rodriguez on the bench for those starts, right? And then you throw him back right. in for one like this where last time out he performed well against Tampa and then he puts up that stinker. But hold your horses here, Scott. It looks like he's in line for two starts next week against the Orioles and the Mariners. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so should we turn that All 10 right. back into a zero? I think you're going to give me the, the, the sneak attack here. I didn't know with either. Matchups. I, I just looked up his matchups. <laughs> Should have led with that. Um, uh, I, gosh, I, I don't enjoy analysis at this time of year. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to have my usual level of enthusiasm, but it just feels like, just feels like you're throwing darts, you know? Yeah. Um, those matchups are so freaking good, and there's two of them. I think in points leagues, you probably have to hold on. I don't know that I could trust him in a categories league unless the categories I was chasing were wins and strikeouts. Yep. But I think in a points league, you have to hold on. So we'll, we'll drop that 10 to a 5. How about Tarek Skubal? He only threw three innings on Monday, which there was no indication that they were going to do this. And, I mean, they, they've done this now with, with some of their younger uh, pitchers in the rotation, but he only threw 50 pitches. He's still 77% rostered. Uh, if you're looking to add one of these starting pitchers that are emerging here late, Scott, would you be okay dropping Tarek Skubal? Mm, yeah, I wish I knew what the plan was for him. Yeah, there was, there was no, like, they didn't say anything about it, like, why they did it. I, I would have to assume it's just the Tigers are out of it. They're limiting their younger right. pitchers. You have, like, names. You could give me some more specific names here that to you match up against Skubal. Yeah, sure. Well, I mentioned, would you do it for like Eric Lauer, who we mentioned before? No. Would you do it for, let's see, let's pull up the most added starting pitchers. Uh, man, the Bailey Ober thing is so annoying because like they piggyback Michael Pineda with him and he was pitching well. So obviously right. you can't add Ober now, but that's frustrating. Would you drop Scooby for Joe Ryan? Mm, no, no. How about, no. I mean, Ranger Suarez is still out there in like a third of CBS yeah. leagues. And it looks like his two next two matchups, since that's the game we're playing here now, Ranger Suarez's next two matchups versus Colorado versus the Cubs. Mm. So Ranger Suarez, I mean, been saying it for a few weeks now, Ranger Suarez. I would, I would, I would take over most any pitcher you'd consider dropping, but that's especially true looking at those matchups. All right, so that's a slam dunk, right? We'll drop Scooble for him. Yeah. How about, hmm, would you do it for Jake Odorizzi with those two starts next week? If that was the way to get Odorizzi's two starts on your roster, yeah, I could do that. All right, last one I'll ask you about. Adrian Hauser threw a three-hit shutout over the weekend. Would you drop Tarek Skubal for him? I would not because that was such an outlier innings-wise for Suarez. I had no idea he was capable of going more than six. How about Zach Gallon? He was at the Rangers on Tuesday. Six and two-thirds, three runs, eight strikeouts to zero walks. That looks all fine and good. Only 10 swinging strikes in this start. Fastball velo down 1.9 miles per hour in this one. Curveball down 1.6 miles per hour. Still 85% rostered to Zach Gallon. Early projection for next week at the Dodgers at the Astros. Yikes. Yeah. Bad matchups, and I still really don't know what's going on with him. Obviously, this Rangers matchup, this Rangers lineup, he should have been able to carve up, and he barely came away with a quality start. It was looking pretty rough early on, actually. 
So he has had four decent starts in a row. Uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not ready to put my faith in him though yet, especially with those matchups. So if you're not starting him in a two start week in a points league again in those matchups, which are tough matchups, would you just drop him? The case could be made, though it's because he's Zach Gallen. And because, like I said, the last four starts have been pretty good, and and maybe maybe he is back on track. And I'm just I'm just too worried about him having a sprained elbow, kind of like we were talking about with Jacob Degrom earlier. I, I worry about him falling into the wrong hands and and then beating you, because he's Zach Allen, you know. I'm reluctant to drop him. I, I don't think it, it's it's not unthinkable. I, I actually have dropped him in a league, you know, one of my shallower shallower leagues already this year, but. It's not something I'm eager to do. Where'd you put him on the dropometer? Okay. Let's go with a four. All right. Last name here, Kyle Freeland. He was up against the Giants on Monday. Gave up seven runs over four and a third. And it looks like the wheels are kind of falling off here for him. He's dealing with the hip injury. <laughs> but Yeah, I feel like such a sucker. <laughs> I feel yeah, he did have a hip injury that he was coming back yeah. from. And so we don't know exactly how much that impacted him in this start. But you know, I've been saying over and over, you can't trust Kyle Freeland. Rockies pitcher, not enough of a Bamizer, you know, too much of a fly ball pitcher. Can't trust him, can't trust him, can't trust him. After a dozen starts, a dozen starts where Kyle Freeland did this. He he succeeded. He had like a 250 ERA over that 12-start stretch. Finally said, okay, I guess maybe now you can use him. And then, of course, this happens. So <laughs> I don't know what lesson to take from that. Just be totally obstinate and never change your mind about a player, no matter how many good starts he puts together. I don't know if that's the right lesson to take, but man, that stinks. That's annoying. Yep. So uh, you're are you cool dropping him? Yes, 10. Oh, right. Some odds and ends from the last two days. Aaron Savale made his return, and he was up against the Twins. Four and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts to one walk, uh, eight swinging strikes on 78 pitches. Velocity down a little bit across the board. Nothing overly worrisome here. Uh, what do you think of this return for Savale? That was great. Happy to get him back in the lineup. Yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're running out of trustworthy starting pitchers here, so it's nice to get one back. Marcus Simeon went two for three with his 38th home run on Tuesday. He now has six home runs over his last six games. I want to talk about someone who's going to be fun to rank for next year. I think Marcus Simeon <laughs> is one of those players. Uh, yeah. Steven Matz was at the Yankees. Six innings, one run. He had six strikeouts to zero walks. He only had six swinging strikes on 93 pitches. Gave up 12 hard hit balls. So seems like he was a a little, a little bit lucky in this one, but over his last five starts, he's got a one six one ERA. Swinging strike rate is abysmal. Mm-hmm. He's getting ground balls. He's limiting hard contact. He's still eighty four percent rostered, so I, I don't know if there's there's much you could do here. But I yeah, don't, are are you buying any of this, Scott? No, no, I, I yeah, I, I feel like Kyle Kyle Freeland all over again. Not only is the swinging strike rate bad for Mats, but 18 strikeouts over 28 innings during that stretch. I, I just don't think yeah. in the long run that's a formula for success. And and this is, even as a hot hand play, I don't feel prepared to trust Mats 
Mike Zanino had a double dong on Tuesday and, and basically having the year that we wanted Gary Sanchez to have. Sanchez has been okay, but not, nothing crazy. Uh, Zanino, 29 homers on the year, 211 batting average, and 867 OPS, 73% rostered. So maybe he's floating around in some shallow leagues, but he's still not very exciting. He's, he's very home run dependent. Nelson Cruz. He's getting hot at the right time. Four for five with a double dong. He's now up to 30 home runs. He has four home runs over his last four games. Ozzie Albies, also hot right now. Two for three with his 27th home run. Has five homers over his last seven games. Last week, fouled the ball off of his knee. Had to get carried off of the field. Crossing our fingers that he's okay and that he could return for the weekend series in Coors Field. He did just that, and that man is hot. Ozzie Albies. Wade Miley, bounce back performance at the Cubs. Seven innings, one run. Eight strikeouts to zero walks. 21 swinging strikes. I didn't look this up, but I, I'd be willing to bet that that was a season high for Wade Miley in this one. Yes. Uh, yes. He was, his, pre- his previous high was 15. And so 21. Now it was against the Cubs who, you know, it's kind of, their lineup is kind of uh, a quadruple A all-star team right now. <laughs> so keep that in mind. But I would venture to say it's a career high in swinging strikes for Wade Miley, though that would take even longer to look up. Yeah, uh, definitely possible. He was fired up for this one. I mean, his velocity was up between 1.3 and 2.1 miles per hour on all five of his pitches that he threw. So, yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he was nice. fired up for it, this one. It's nice to know he's still among the trustworthy. Christian Yelich went three for five with a double and two RBI over his last 26 games. He's batting 340, two homers, eight doubles, one steal, a 21% strikeout rate, 29% line drive rate. So putting the ball in the air more, he's hitting line drives. Just It's just kind of empty batting average. I mean, it's nice to see the batting average, but it's you know it's, it's good in like a, a David Fletcher kind of way, I guess. So I, I didn't think we would say that about Christian Yelich this year, but <laughs> here we not, are, September yeah. 8th. <laughs> uh, Aaron Nola, he still stinks. He was at the Brewers. Five innings, six hits, three runs. He had six strikeouts. Uh, the velocity was up about a mile per hour on four or five pitches. He threw a cutter eight times in the start, which is the most he's thrown that pitch since his second start of the season. So it seems like he's just searching for anything right now, Scott. So, I mean, to pull the cutter out of nowhere, I mean, I, I think he's just searching. Like his fast. I mean, this wasn't a terrible start. I mean, it wasn't good, though. Three runs over five innings. I don't know. You you could get a win out of that start potentially. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm let down by it if I have Aaron Nola. Here's the thing: we're with most of September. Okay, so a guy has a 113 WHIP, and with most of September still to go, 192 strikeouts. How are you feeling about that guy? Well, I noticed that's all you know: 113 <laughs> WHIP and 192 strikeouts yeah, at this I'd, point in the season. I'd I'd feel I'd feel very good about that. I'd say mm-hmm. he's probably a top 15, top 20 starting pitcher. It's just that that darn ERA for Aaron Nola, bringing him down. Um, but no, it's it's the same thing we've been saying all along. It, you still see a lot of ability there, and. Um, I'm, I'm, I continue to say I'm going down with the ship. Going down with the ship. Ride, ride, ride Nola till the end. I have a feeling, Scott, that Aaron Nola is uh, someone that you'll be looking to buy the dip on in uh, next year's drafts. Yep. If, if we do get him at a discount, which 
As of now, I, I, I think that we will. Uh, Alex Bregman went three for five with his eighth home run of the season. It was his first home run since coming off of the IL and in 11 games since returning. He's batting 357. He only has three strikeouts in 11 games. I know. So he's putting I the, noticed that too. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, and he's hitting the yeah. ball extremely hard. Lots of line drives, lots of fly balls. We might be in for a really strong finish here from Alex Bregman. So if you've held on or if someone dropped him in your league and you picked him up, uh, I, I everything, the underlying numbers say that uh, big things could be coming for, for Alex Bregman. Pete Alonso, a double dong. He's now up to 32 homers. And over his last eight games, he has 15 hits and he has three home runs over his last two games. So a strong finish looking like for Pete Alonso as well. And Zach Wheeler bounced back on Monday. Six shutout, five hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts. So we've been waiting for, for a nice little bounce back here for Wheeler. And uh, we got it. It was a really nice start. Call to the bullpen. Some bullpen updates from the past couple of days. For the Twins, Alex Colome has two saves over the last two days. He's now up to 13 saves for the season. Uh, let's... Let's check in on what his roster rate is, but I know it could be ugly at times, but this, I mean, he is getting saves. Alex Colomay. He is. 46% rostered. I, I think that number needs to be higher, uh, given the situation. For the Pirates, on Tuesday, David Bednar pitched in the eighth inning to face three, four, and five in the lineup. In a one-run lead, Chris Stratton came in for the ninth. He picked up his third save. David Bednar picked up the save on Monday. So... Is it just Bednar is the highest leverage? He's going to face the the heart of the lineup whenever they're coming up kind of thing? Yeah, I think so, because they keep going back and forth with using him in the eighth. Him and Stratton flipping back and forth. It's annoying, because they're not getting that many save opportunities to begin with. Yeah, for sure. I, I, Bednar's good, though. I, I I think he's a good pitcher. I mean, you watch him. He's, he's got some pretty filthy stuff, so I, I like the guy, mm-hmm. but uh, the Pirates... Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like they're going to lean on just just one pitcher for now. For, uh, for the Reds, <laughs> a team that has been all over the place all season long, Michael Lorenzen gave up two earned runs in the eighth inning on Tuesday. Michael Gibbons picked up his sixth save, and he has their last two saves. But do not trust uh, David Bell as far as I could throw him. Is that the saying? Trust someone as far as they could throw them, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. Well, David Bell. I mean, I'm not. I'm not all that strong, so I don't think I could throw him very far. Uh, so. Well, that's that's the that's the point of the saying. <laughs> I'm right? happy that we, yeah, I'm happy we explained it. Anyway, the point of this is that the Reds are super frustrating, as are the Seattle Mariners. On Tuesday, Drew Steckenrider in the seventh in a one-run lead. Diego Castillo was used in the eighth. Paul Seawald in the ninth inning in a two-run lead. Paul Seawald has been awesome, right? He gives up a two-run home run to Alex Bregman, who gets the next save opportunity for the Mariners. Uh, second rider, I would guess. <laughs> I think Diego Castillo got a save over the weekend too, so I, I don't know. The Mariners, the Royals. Well, the Royals have been pretty consistent now with uh, with Scott Barlow, but the Mariners, the Reds. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, it's been it's been a mess. And you know what else has been a mess? The Boston Red Sox. I wasn't really expecting this. On Monday, Adam Ottavino was using the seventh inning in a two run game. He gave up an RBI single, cuts the lead down to one. He's now been used in the seventh inning in two of his last three appearances for the Red Sox. Garrett Whitlock came in in the ninth in a one-run league. He gives up a game-tying inside-the-park home run, of all things, to Austin Meadows. And he actually picked up a save over the weekend, Garrett Whitlock. So uh, do you have any feel for what's going on with the Red Sox right now? Well, I know that Adam Adovino had an ugly blown save on Friday, I believe it was, Saturday. 
Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that they're now, you know, trying other options, looking into Whitlock, it seems like. But I don't know how firm that is. And obviously, at some point, Matt Barnes is going to come back from the COVID IL and muddy the waters further. Yep. So, you know, I, I thought Adam Adovino, I hoped he'd have the job on lockdown until then, but it seems as if that's not the case. Yeah. I mentioned in my home points league, I picked up Adovino over Colome last week. Colome is still available. I'm definitely going to make that swap. So, yeah. Uh, if, if you play in any, make any that change. Make that change if you play in any shallower leagues um, to move you should make. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. I didn't write these down, so bear with me. I'm just going to gonna run through some scheduled starters for Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's, what do we got here? Tyler Anderson at the Astros. No. John Gray, we already said no. How about Luke? Luke Weaver at home against the Rangers? No. How about uh, Mitch Keller and Matt Manning, who are going up against each other, the Tigers and the Pirates? No, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe this one. Rich Hill at the Marlins coming off a six-inning start. I mean, that's the best one so far, but I don't want to do it. All right. How about Mike Miner at the Orioles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might be better than hell. I don't know. I think I would go with Rich Hill, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> They're like old lefties. I don't, I don't like either. I mean, yeah. Uh, Luis Heal at home against the Blue Jays. Mm, seems pretty risky. Yeah, it does. Tuki Tucson at home against the Nationals. Ah, uh, I mean, I know his last start at Colorado was pretty bad, but this might be the best one. Vladimir Gutierrez at the Cubs. Mm, he's he's been pretty shaky all of a sudden too. Pretty shaky indeed. And it was against the Tigers and the Marlins. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'll pass on Vladimir Gutierrez. Oh, I completely whiffed on this one. Joe Ryan at Cleveland. Cool with that. I mean, I don't know how deep he's gonna go, and and I, obviously he's just he's just made the one star, right? Yeah, five innings, three yeah. runs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's better than a lot of them. Yeah. I think Tukey Toussaint would be my first choice. All right. Yeah. I mean, Tukey is out there. I, I like the matchup for Joe Ryan. I like the matchup for Rich Hill. So if uh, if you're in a deeper daily lineup league, those are some names I would look at for Thursday. Let's see who we got here. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez at the A's. Mm, probably not. No. How about Randy Dobnak at Cleveland? Mm-mm. Probably not. How about Jesus Lozardo hosting the Mets? That one's okay. How about, oh, slam dunk here. Ranger Suarez hosting the Rockies. Ding, ding, ding. That's the one. Ding, ding. Let's do it. How about Carlos Hernandez at the Orioles? Yeah, that's pretty good too. Well, hmm. ESPN still has Nestor Cortez starting on Thursday against the Blue Jays. I don't know if that is actually going to happen, but if it does, would you use him there? Probably not. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, let's wrap up there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Friday. Remember, there's no podcast on Thursday. See you then. Bye-bye. CBS. 
CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.